I thought it would be enjoyable for us through the month of February to spend time talking about relationships, to talk about those who are single, to clarify some of the misconceptions those in our culture at large and even professing followers of Jesus Christ might have as it relates to marriage and singleness. We've talked about the goodness of marriage. We have talked about how the Bible is pro-marriage, pro-body, and pro-pleasure. We've had an enjoyable time discussing these subjects, and today I'm so glad that you have joined with me as we are going to spend some time talking about some practical tips for relationship enrichment. I hope that this episode is a blessing to you. As we begin today's episode, I just want to share a few quick notes. The first is that the subject of today's episode is going to best relate to those who are married. Of course, there are going to be principles and there are going to be some recommendations that can benefit people, whether you're in a dating relationship, whether you're engaged, whether you are a single adult. And so there will be something for you to take away. Also, uh, there are some overarching principles that I'm not going to dive into a lot in today's episode, but are still very relevant and should be seen as sort of the umbrella that covers over all of these specific recommendations that I'm going to provide. For instance, the goal of Christian relationships are, is to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we submit to his authority for his standards, to his standards of morality. Uh, we submit our desires and our expectations to what he has revealed and what he has commanded in his word. Within the relationship of marriage, within the institution of marriage, we understand that there are specific roles that the Lord has uh, described for for the husband, for the wife. We understand our calling to submit to one another in reverence of Jesus Christ from Ephesians chapter 5. We also understand, as another principle, that believers are to be equally yoked in their uh, romantic relationships. And so we should seek, uh, if you are a single person, if you're in a dating relationship, you should seek to have relationships uh, with people who are equally yoked. They are just as serious about their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as you are. If you are in a marriage relationship at this point, uh, there's no way to change that as far as we're not trading in a spouse uh, or something along those lines. But instead, we ought to be encouraging our spouses to grow in their knowledge and love for Jesus Christ as well. And if you have an unbelieving spouse, and if you are tuning in, and some of the things I'm going to recommend today, and you say, well, but my husband or my wife, they they don't have the same faith that I have. They're not followers of Jesus Christ. Perhaps you got saved after you were married. Well, these are opportunities to pray with specifics for your spouse as you pray for your spouse to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And so there are some overarching principles that I want you to have in the back of your mind as we're talking about this, Uh, but I do want to provide five practical steps or tips, five practical tips for you to grow together uh, in your romantic relationship. So the first is that I encourage you to maximize your schedule and communicate about it. Now, what do I mean when I say maximize your schedule? Well, if you are in an industry or a work field that you have been in for some time, I trust that you are aware of seasons in which you are going to be busier than other seasons. There are probably going to be seasons where there are a little bit of lulls, where there are some downtimes, where you're not working overtime hours, uh, where you can take vacations and things along those lines. But there are seasons that are busier than others. 
And early on in my marriage, I did a very poor job of this, uh, managing my schedule. As a pastor, when do you think my schedule is the busiest as I look at the entire year? Well, Easter and Christmas, of course, are busy seasons. That's not to say that other things don't pop up. I get calls about people being in the hospital at various times. Funerals, of course, are not scheduled. Uh, There's a lot of things that can pop up, and there is a degree of busyness in every season, and yet great opportunities and blessings. But there are seasons that I know going into are going to be busy. It is inevitable. There's nothing that can change that reality. Well, how does, that re- how does that affect my relationships at home? Well, those relationships don't have to suffer, but there is an acknowledgement that in the busier seasons of my work schedule, then I'm going to have more times in the office or in the field, and that means that I have less time at home. But that doesn't have to be a bad thing. I can maximize my schedule and use it uh, to promote health within my relationship. How can I do that? Well, because I know that uh, Christmas is a busy time, as I look back early on in my marriage, in ministry, I would just continue pressing on through the schedule uh, from uh, the summer through the fall and into the winter and not take any breaks. Uh, I would try to spend as much time as I could with my family at home as my schedule would allow. And then in those busier seasons, I would just spend less time with my wife and with my kids and then hold on until January and say it'll, it'll go back to quote unquote normal in January. Was that the best way to go about it? Well, no, because by the time January came about, I was drained. I'm emotionally and physically and even spiritually drained, which means I had even less to offer uh, to my family. And so it's like, yeah, you're around more, but you have less to offer and you need more rest. That's not very helpful either. So how did I learn to maximize my schedule? And by the way, a mentor in ministry encouraged me in this way and steered me in this direction. It's not like uh, I came up with this idea off the top of my head. Uh, I wish a light bulb had come on in that way, but it didn't. Uh, So what I I come to understand that I, I needed was there had to be a season of rest and replenishment before the busy season. And then coming out of that busy season, there needed to be a a time of rest and replenishment. The Lord calls us to rest. Resting is a good thing. We need it. Uh, Our physical bodies need that. We need that emotionally, spiritually, and you need that relationally as well. And so if you think of your relationship as a piggy bank, if you can do that for just a moment, all right? So in those busy seasons, especially those seasons that you know about, there is a lot of things, again, you you can't control. But in those seasons that you know are going to be busy, you know that that piggy bank is going to get drained, okay? So think of that piggy bank as possessing sort of your energy, your emotional, uh, physical, uh, spiritual energy. Uh, But that piggy bank, in the busy season, you're going to be making withdrawals only from it. You're not going to have time to have extra seasons of rest, or you're not going to be able to take vacation times around those days. I know that, for instance, in the month of December, I can't take vacation time. I'm preaching through series as we build up to Christmas. Uh, No pastor takes a vacation Sunday on Palm Sunday or Easter, for instance. That just doesn't happen. It it shouldn't happen, from my perspective at least, as I think about my own uh, ministry, not projecting that on others. But but that's how I feel about it personally, and I'm not going to take off during those seasons. So, So what do I need to do then to make sure that that piggy bank doesn't get drained? 
well, I need to make sure that I invest into that piggy bank going into that season. So I add more to it. So as a family, what we do in the fall before the holidays, before Thanksgiving and, and Christmas is we get away. Now, we don't do elaborate, huge, fancy, expensive vacations, uh, but we get away. We usually go and see family. We do some hiking. We love the outdoors. I do a little bit of hunting. We have some time to just relax and spend time together knowing what's going to come up ahead. Uh, We communicate about that. Uh, My wife and I talk about that. This is going to be a busy season, and there are going to be some things that I need to take care of around the house. Uh, There are some priorities that I need to have, such as uh, going on dates with my wife. There are things that I need to do up front because I know I'm going to have less opportunities in that busy season. And then guess what I do coming out of the busy season? Right after Christmas every year, our family goes away for a few days. Uh, my children love to swim. In full disclosure, I don't like to swim. I, I don't enjoy it at all. I like hot tubs, but I don't like just wading in cool water. I don't find that to be very pleasurable. I, I don't know why people do. But but they do, and praise God, I own a swimming pool uh, because my kids love it. So, uh, But we can't use that swimming pool in the winter because we live in western PA. So we usually go and stay somewhere, like a hotel. And we just get a few days away. I play with my children. Uh, My wife and I get away and have a date. And we just have a time of refreshment and replenishment. And so actually going through that busy season, it's like, okay, how long is that season really? Well, it's six or seven weeks. That's it. Six or seven weeks. Can I give more of myself to uh, the people in the church family over a six or seven week period? Absolutely. Can I be more available for, for the church family? Can I be more invested in that season? Absolutely. But coming out of that, my, my family knows, hey, I haven't forgotten you. You are a priority. I'm prioritizing you above all because I'm investing in our relationship going into this and coming out of it, I'm reinvesting in the relationship because I want you to know that it is my priority. So whatever your season, your busy season of work is, uh, of your personal life, whatever is, is on your schedule, if you know when the busy times are coming, invest in your relationship up front. Communicate with uh, your, your fiancé or your boyfriend, girlfriend, or with your wife uh, or husband. Communicate going into that season, hey, this is going to be a busy time. I'm not forgetting about you. I prioritize our relationship so much. I value it so much that I want you to know going into it, this is what it's going to be like. But we're going to come out of it even stronger, and here's how we're going to get refreshed. Have an active plan that that you communicate. The second uh, is to listen with the intent to respond. When people come into a pastor's office uh, because a relationship has hit a difficult point, there are usually uh, just a, a very narrow group of subjects that have been proven to be problematic in relationships in general. And those would be either problems uh, with finances, problems uh, with physical intimacy, or problems with communication. And that just seems to be the norm, and it has been regardless of where I have been a pastor. But uh This is just the reality. So we know that we need to grow as communicators. It is an important aspect of all relationships, um, whether they're platonic or whether they're romantic relationships. Communication is so important. In fact, I think if you learn to communicate well, those other two major um, categories of, of discussion where conflict can arise in a relationship, they can actually be improved as well. So communication is a big big topic, but but I'm going to talk today about listening, kind of focusing on the one part of communication uh, for the sake of this episode. So listen with the intent 
to respond. There's a few principles here. The first is that you need to create space to listen. And I mean to actively listen, not to create space right after your uh, spouse comes home and, and she's had a hard day at work and you just ask in passing while you're cooking, hey, how was your day? And she begins to talk and you continue doing all these other things and you're not actually stopping and making eye contact. You're not noticing her nonverbal communication. You're just kind of doing busy work and you're making small talk. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about creating intentional space to listen. This is something that I think married couples can prioritize in a, in a better way. Sometimes in dating relationships, it comes a little bit more natural because you are trying to get to know uh, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your fiance. You're wanting to learn more about them. Sometimes in marriage, you think, well, I know everything about my spouse. Well, you don't. We change over seasons and, and we need to create space. Even day in and day out, we need to create opportunities to learn about our spouses. So create space to listen, whatever that block of time is. And every relationship is going to be different. Some people require five minutes of committed, dedicated time where you're making eye contact, you're, you're listening well. Some people need more time. Some people need a day, a month, where they can just set aside time and say, look, we're going to sit down, we're going to drink coffee in the morning, we're going to spend all day together, maybe go on a walk in the afternoon, and we're going to talk to each other and really listen. Whatever your relationship calls for, um, create that space. Make sure that you ask clear questions of, of your significant other. Ask clear questions like, is there anything that you're afraid of right now? Is there anything that you think is problematic in our relationship? Are there opportunities for us to grow in the Lord? Do you think that we are submitting to one another in, in the reverence of Jesus Christ? Is our relationship God-honoring? Listen to the answer to these questions. Ask those questions. Have this sort of relationship where you feel safe and secure enough to ask them. And don't be defensive with the answers you give, uh, with the answer, sorry, that your significant other gives. Uh, if you ask a question, are, are we growing in our faith together? Are we getting to know Jesus Christ better? And your significant other says, I don't really think that you have been on the same place that I am spiritually. I, I don't see you reading scripture. I don't see you diving in. I've been really hungry to grow and I'm not trying to slam you. I'm not trying to say anything negative about you. I'm not trying to be quote unquote judgmental, but I'm just saying, you know, I, I'm kind of heading along this path, and, and I wish you were growing in the same way. Well, it's easy to get defensive when you hear things like that. But we need to stop and listen and say, well, one, are these things true? And if they are true, how can I make improvements to them? If they're not true, then how am I doing a poor job of communicating? Because communication is, is two, you know, there are two parties involved. Um, am I doing a good, enough, a good enough job communicating where I'm at spiritually, how I'm striving to grow so that my significant other can, can see that, can hear that, and so we can grow together? So don't be defensive when you receive answers to the questions that you ask. And when I talk about listening with the intention to respond, I mean, if there are things that come out in your spouse's or in your significant other's uh, communication with you that uh, call for your response, call for your improvement, call for you to make changes. Uh, if somebody says, look, your, your schedule, I think that you're prioritizing other things above me. Um, 
when you hear that, are you willing to make adjustments to your schedule to prioritize your spouse or your significant other? But, you know, as I say that, it's important to note that responding doesn't always mean fixing. Certainly not right away. Early on in marriage, I assumed that every time that my wife talked to me about something that she saw as problematic, something that was heavy on her heart, something that was a difficult subject for her, I thought that that meant that I needed to fix it right away. That led usually <laughs> to more problems in the relationships than it created opportunities for healing and growth together. Um, instead, I learned to listen better and to say and to ask better questions like, is this something that you want me to correct right now? Or how would you like me to respond to this in this moment? Are you just needing to get this off your chest and you just want me to listen and you want me to affirm you and affirm how you feel? If that's where you're at, okay, then I need to be able to respond appropriately. Now, as you grow in your relationship with your spouse, of course, you sort of learn where they're coming from, and you don't necessarily have to ask quite as many questions along those lines. You know what is expected of you. You know what you say that can be helpful. You know the things that you could say that would be harmful, and so you can sort of grow in in those ways, but, but responding doesn't always mean fixing right away, but you do need to create space and you need to be committed in such a way that you are listening with the intent to respond and that your significant other is aware of that as well. The third is to grow in intimacy. Marriage is supposed to be an intimate relationship. There's this principle in Genesis of leaving and cleaving, and uh, this is what it says in Genesis 2. It says, um, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So there are two principles there, leaving and cleaving. Leaving what? Well, leaving all other relationships, uh, prioritizing no other relationship above your relationship with your spouse. Uh, that's what it says. That is why a man leaves his father and mother. It says, though, that he is united to his wife, and that's the principle of cleaving. Uh, you should be able to increasingly say of your spouse what uh, we hear the bride say in the Song of Songs, where she says, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. That your spouse is fully yours and you are fully your spouse's. Uh, so this is an important principle within marriage. Now, when I say intimacy, our minds immediately might default to physical intimacy, and that's perfectly fine. Within marriage, of course, and, and the institution of marriage exclusively, physical intimacy is important uh, so long as those within the marriage uh, are physically able uh, to engage in physical intimacy. But whether one is able to physically or not within marriage, intimacy is still the goal. And intimacy can be found in a number of different ways. Uh, intimacy can be created through spending time together, through listening and listening well. By getting to understand what your spouse is like, you learn his or her nonverbal cues. And that's so exciting when you know somebody so well that you know where they're coming from. You understand when they've had a heavy day and you know what is required of you or what would be a blessing to them because you've grown to know your spouse. So you need to grow in intimacy. But I want to talk about those principles really quickly about leaving and cleaving. I would ask you, are there other relationships or are there schedule items that need to be prioritized less? 
You know, we talk about leaving all other relationships behind. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't have friendships. We should, uh, particularly of the same sex. We should have friendships. We should have accountability partners. But there should be no relationship. There should be no schedule item that is more important to you than your marriage. In fact, earlier when I talked about, you know, maximizing your schedule, I was just addressing the reality that professionally there are times where our work schedules demand more of us. And that is okay, but the work schedule doesn't is not prioritized above our marriages. Instead, they are placed in a proper relationship to one another. And so we need to communicate that our spouse is the chief priority as it relates to relationships. But you know, there are a lot of people who go through this world and, and they have friendships, they have relationships with others uh, that or even with family members, that they have at a higher plane than their relationship with their spouse. Some people have uh, more invest in their relationship with their children, for instance, than they have with their spouse. And I think this is a mistake scripturally. We are called to have that, that our deepest relationship is with our spouse. And so I'd ask you, is there a relationship? And this doesn't mean you have to abandon all other relationships, but, uh, but we need to prioritize our relationship with our spouse above those others. So is there a relationship that you need to prioritize less? Is there a relationship that you need to be less emotionally involved in, that you need to give less of your time to because you need to make more time for your spouse? Um, as you seek to grow in your uh, intimacy, then it's not just about putting off other relationships. It's about growing together, being united together, um, standing together without any shame as Adam and Eve did in the garden. So you need to create time together. Um, if you don't have any time together, you are not going to have good communication. You are not going to know your spouse well. You're not going to know what brings him or her uh, pleasure, what is encouraging, what grieves uh, them. You're not going to know these things unless you create space to enjoy life together. And as you do that, I want to give you an, encourage, an encouragement that you need to continue to seek uh, getting to know your spouse through various seasons. This is not a spoiler. Your spouse is going to change throughout the seasons. I don't know how many times people have come in and they've chatted with me and they've said, well, my spouse has changed. Well, how long have you been together? We've been together 20, 30, 40 years. Well, yeah, she's changed or he's changed. You met each other when you were 18 or 25 or 35 and you're 50, 60, 70 now. They're going to change. We're supposed to change. We're supposed to grow. We mature. We change through the seasons. But you know what an opportunity that is. That's not a negative remark. We have an opportunity to rediscover in each season how we can better minister to our spouses, how we can grow together, how we can show love for our spouses, what is required of us. So continue to get to know your spouse. Be eager about it. Be intentional about it. Not just, you know, we were driving down the road and, and we we're talking and these things sort of pop up and so I've learned some new things, but those are good things. But be intentional. Create space. Set aside time. Ask pointed questions. The fourth, and this one might strike you as unique, but consider counseling. Consider counseling. Now, in our culture, the recommendation for counseling often evokes emotions of fear and anxiety. I don't need to see a counselor. I'm perfectly fine. That's sort of the reaction that we might sometimes expect to receive when we give that sort of recommendation. But can I tell you that we all need counseling at one time or another? Now, counseling can take several forms. We can have um, 
unofficial counseling, and, and we seek unofficial counseling, by the way, every time that we ask somebody for advice, whether it is a trivial subject or something that's really uh, heavy. Um, when I call one of my parents and I ask them for advice, I'm seeking counsel. Um, so th there are uh, sort of general, uh, there's general counsel in the world, but, but I'm going to talk a little bit about professional counseling, whether it is a pastor, whether it is uh, some other sort of counselor, that you seek those things. Now, I trust that, and I'm just going to go on a limb here, but uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say that uh, if your family is anything like mine, you probably have a, a an older male relative who refuses to go to the doctor. You know, just absolutely refuses. I don't need to go to a doctor. I've been to a doctor since 1975, you know? Okay. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, you chuckle a lot about those things. Sometimes, it sort of starts to annoy you because you see somebody who has ongoing health issues and you think, you know, if you go see a doctor, they can probably address those things. Like these are things that, you know, we live in an era where there have been a lot of medical advances and there are things people can do for you. You just simply have to show up. You know, sometimes people wait until their conditions are terminal, even though they've had symptoms for months, sometimes years without getting checked, and then they go in and they receive uh, fateful news about their condition. And and you're grieved for them, but you also think, well, I wish you would have gone in and gotten care before things got to this point. There are times as a pastor when people come in and they talk about the problems that they have, and they say, well, we've separated, or, or she's filed for divorce, or he's filed for divorce. And you say, well, when did these issues you know, first present themselves. Well, they showed up 10 years ago or seven years ago or five years ago, six months ago. Well, did you seek out help? No, we didn't seek out help. But now, now that the condition is terminal, now we're going to find help. And you think, well, but 10 years ago or seven years ago or six months ago, um, these issues hadn't become this full-blown problem it would have been so much easier to address. It might have been just a one conversation or a series of conversation. A few tweaks in the relationship could have meant a lot. One vacation that was timed appropriately might have made a huge amount of difference in the trajectory of your relationship. And so I, I say this um, to encourage you. If you're at a place where you say, you know, there's just been a topic that just keeps coming up. There is an issue that we've not been able to resolve and it just feels like sort of like a pebble in your shoe. And it's there and it's annoying, but it's not going away. You know, but we're not to the point where we're like getting divorced, but it's a big problem. If that's where you're at, it's okay to get help. It's okay to seek counseling. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. There should not be stigma as it relates to counseling for God's people. That's why pastors, that's why other counselors exist. Uh, God has so blessed us with the opportunity to share our burdens with others and for others to be available to carry those burdens with us and for us. And so it's, a, it's an opportunity that we have. And, and I know that that can be uncomfortable at first. Um, it's things are a pride also, if, if I'm being honest. But there are times where we have to say, you know, I prioritize my, my relationships to the point that we need some help and, and we continue kind of communicating about this. And we have good communication in a lot of other areas, but this is one subject that we're just not quite on the same page. 
What an opportunity then to just sit down and have one conversation and see what God does with it. So consider counseling. And and the fifth and final one that I'm going to share today. You know, remember I I talked about the three primary subjects uh, or conflict points that couples have. That would be physical intimacy, communication, and finances. And if finances are such a concern within marriages, then if we're going to grow in our relationship with our spouses— If you are going to be prepared for marriage as a single adult, if you're in a dating relationship and you wonder what could be something that would happen in a a prospective marriage that I I need to be prepared for and I need to grow in before I enter into the the, uh, covenant of marriage, then then this would be a subject that would sort of pop up. Uh, The uh, American Psychological Association found that 31%, 31% of couples said that money is a source of major conflict in their relationship. Now, I believe that, as I've already discussed, intimacy and communication directly affect the ability to discuss money with your spouse. And so I think that these these topics all sort of fit neatly together, or when there's conflict in one of these subjects, it sort of overflows, sort of like a domino effect into these other categories as well. And I want you to think about how that could be. Uh, One, do you trust your spouse? Do you talk about your fears as it relates to finances? Do you talk about the amount of money, for instance, that you need in the savings account to feel secure? Or that there are goals that you should have financially or things that you want to be able to do in the next season of your life? Are there concerns you have about the way that money is spent today? Can you talk about realistic goals with your spouse? Can you trust that you are walking together? Uh, these are subjects that you need to be aware of. And if you say to, as an answer to any of those questions, no, I don't think we can talk about that subject. There is a degree of intimacy and there are issues with communication that can be addressed. Um, Now, when I talk about communication, I'm not just talking about speaking and listening. There's so much more involved in communication. Again, learning nonverbal cues, trusting somebody enough that you feel safe and, and free to share how you feel. Um, trusting your spouse to the degree that you can listen and listen with the intent to respond. And you don't have to be defensive because you trust where your relationship is. All of these things work together as communication is related. But, but money is a source of major conflict in 31% of relationships. And I think that shows that in 31% of relationships or greater, that communication and intimacy could be improved as well. And so if you are going to grow to be a better steward of your finances, you also need to grow in your communication and you need to grow in intimacy. The second way that I'm going to encourage you to become a better steward of finances is to realize that you are a steward of finances. Uh, God has entrusted you with the resources that you have. We're not called to hoard resources. We're not called to just, you know, build a financial kingdom. Money is not to be our goal. We're not to have the love of money. Uh, Paul told Timothy that the love of money is the root of all evil, uh, that there, uh, this heart desire, this pride that, that creeps in uh, creates all sorts of other problems that stem from it. But understand that you are merely a steward of resources. You are entrusted with these resources and you are to distribute them and to save them in a way that submits to God's plan for finances and one that results in his glorification. So uh, 
and fulfill the roles that you have. Uh, so as a husband, for instance, I have a few roles that I am supposed to maintain. As a godly man, I am called to protect, serve, respect, love, lead, and provide. Uh, these are tasks that I am called to as a godly husband. And so uh, as I am called to be a steward of finances, then I need to be... Um, I need to manage my finances in a way that relate to each one of those tasks that God has called me to do. Along those lines, I need to grow in contentment. We need to be content people. In this society, there are so many people who are broke uh, because they're not content. Uh, they might even have high levels of income, but we see what the Joneses have. We see uh, what whoever it is that we compare things to has. And we say, well, I need that. I need the nicest, newest, shiniest truck, house, a TV, smartphone. I need to upgrade the first time everything is available. Well, you know, again, getting back to what Paul told Timothy, he said that contentment with godliness is great gain. Uh, sometimes we need to, as stewards of the finances that God has entrusted to us, we need to say, you know, I don't need the nicest, newest, whatever. Um, my spouse and my kids don't need the nicest, newest, whatever. Just because every kid in the classroom has something doesn't mean my children have to have that. I am called to be a steward of these resources, and God is the one who has entrusted them to me. I am not to chase after the same values that the world has. We should not embrace materialism as an ideology that drives our lives. Instead, saying, Lord, I'm content with where you have me. I am content with where I am. Uh, in our relationships, we shouldn't be looking on the other side of the fence and saying, you know, the grass is greener over there. Um, he makes more money or she makes more money. Or if I left this relationship, I would have more money. I'd be better off financially. No, where God has you, where you committed uh, through covenant before God and other witnesses, you need to remain faithful in that relationship. You need to trust that where God has you, he has you for his good. All things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purposes, that you uh, use the resources he's given in an appropriate way. You're not chasing after materialistic things, but instead uh, you are trying to find ways uh, to live better within your means and to be able to be generous uh, with those. So we should be able to give of our finances from our marriages. We should be able to give uh, to advance the kingdom of God. We should be able to be generous with uh, with ministry, to give to missions, to, to outreach programs, to the local church of which we are a part. We should be able to do that because we have managed our finances in an appropriate way. Uh, there are a number of ways to grow, uh, to be a better steward of finances. There's a lot of Christian teachers out there and finance gurus who will talk about how to grow your savings account, how to better live within your means, the things that you shouldn't buy because they're frivolous spending, the sort of things you should invest in, the ways to better prepare for the future. And there's a lot of subjects there and a lot of topics we could dive into, but I'm not going to for the sake of time today and because those resources are readily available out there. But I just want to encourage you on that basic topic. Become a better steward of finances. As God's people, I'm so excited for the opportunities that we have to enrich the relationships that God has called us to, particularly the institution of marriage, if, if God has called you to it. And so I want to encourage you along those lines, uh, God wants you to enjoy a wonderful relationship with your spouse. He wants you to grow in love. He wants you to grow in your knowledge. He wants you to grow in your communication. He wants you to grow in your intimacy. He wants you to be a good steward of the resources 
entrusted to you. Next week, we're going to begin a whole new subject of discussion, and I'm really excited about that. But I hope that this series on love and relationships and submitting to God's plan for them has been a blessing to you. May the Lord bless you. Mm